The Raw Rugby Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Raw Rugby Podcast, powered by ASICS. I'm Brett McKay. Have we just witnessed the best weekend of rugby in 10 editions of the Rugby World Cup going back nearly 40 years? And while quantifying that claim is awfully difficult, your place for exactly this kind of down-in-the-weeds Rugby World Cup discussion is the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate. Just wonderful to have... Bernard Jackman on the pod last week. Uh, I thought of him immediately on full-time after the Irish Dream was sadly over, but so many of you love that episode as well. Um, the Bernard episode will almost certainly have overtaken Phil War into third place as our most listened to. Uh, tell you by the time you're listening to this, which um, in turn will mean the top three, Peter Fitzsimons, The Whales, Instant Reaction, uh, and Bernard Jackman have all come in the last three weeks. So, again, we thank you for that. Joining me this and every week, the man last seen launching into questionable stadium meets and street-side renditions of Inkoskeleli Africa, Harry Jones. Hello, mate. How are you? How's it, Brett? Yes, I survived. Um, I just want to say that it's unbelievable how many people said that this was the greatest rugby match they had ever seen which eclipsed the formerly greatest rugby match they'd ever seen, which was 24 hours earlier, which eclipsed the greatest <laughs> rugby match they'd ever seen, which is a few days before that. But then I've spent too so much of their time um, picking at all the different faults that were supposedly made in such game. And I kind of think you either it was the best game you ever watched and therefore you're going to leave that stuff alone or you're trying to undo the greatness. And yes. I was happy to see World Rugby when I hadn't said, hey, Ben O'Keefe, we're giving you a semi-final, which was yeah. in World Rugby's kind of cryptic way, probably saying, "No, he did fine." No, he was actually he was actually pretty good. Yeah, that's a really <laughs> good point. It's a it's a really good point. Uh, we are indeed powered by Asics. The Raw has in place a great partnership with Asics, the official performance apparel and footwear supplier for the Wallabies, uh, and you can still pick up the entire Wallabies 2023 Rugby World Cup playing and training ensemble in-store and online at asics.com.au. Heroes and zeros for you, mate. Um, And I've got the very pleasure of of bringing you a hero this week. And it is for me, it is none other than Gary Quinzo Quinlivan, who was the heart and soul of ACT rugby since the very first days of the Brumbies. Uh, He passed away at home in Canberra on Thursday. Uh, He was 86. And he was anyone who's spent any time around... um, the Brumbies over the last three decades knows exactly who Quinzo was and he uh, knew all the players, he knew all the staff, he knew all the opposition players, all the opposition staff, he knew media. If you uh, Even the last 15 years when uh, when throat cancer took away his voice box and he, and he had his, his squawker there, he, he didn't have to say much, but he always knew you were there. You know, g'day, how are you going? And he was just, it was a joy to, to see him. And so we, um, we absolutely f- thinking of of his friends and family and especially the Brumbies because um, they they really have lost one of their foundation stones. Mate, um, I've got a bonus hero for you. Jim, I've sent you this clip before. Jimmy Reese is an Australian comedian um, whose guy who decides character this week absolutely slayed the game of rugby and in particular the breakdown 
And then someone gets tackled by the other team. Oh, bit of action. Okay, and then they, they fight for the ball. <laughs> no, Jason, the person who gets tackled has to let go of the ball. Let go of it? Yeah, and then the person who made the tackle has to play a little game of roly-poly to get out of there. Roly-poly. You heard me, Jason. And then what? Goat fighting. Goat fighting? No, no, no. Goats just run and smash heads against each other. We can't do that. And up, Jason, I'm making the rules. They will do something like that. Right, so what you're saying is the ball's on the ground and the two teams have to goat fight over the ball that's on the ground. But staying on their feet. Right. And you can't smash in from the side. Oh, okay. And you can only touch the ball if you're on your feet. <laughs> I mean, goat, goat fighting, <laughs> if there is a more accurate description of the breakdown, I'm yet to hear it than goat fighting. It's uncomfortably uh, close to the truth. Uh, <laughs> it is. And, uh, and on your memory about your friend from Canberra, I would yeah. say this. I've always thought that rugby has the longest memories of the codes. Uh, unlike fickle football or rickety cricket, um, which has got a pretty long memory too. Mm. I think rugby goes way back. I mean, show me a rugby fan and they know the record between two rival sides almost, to, almost within the game. Yeah. And yeah. it goes back to 1885 or something. So I, I think we honor that and the dead do matter. The people who passed matter. And um, uh, we should always be that kind of uh, game. My zero for the mm. week. You know, I try to eat something that reminds me of the adversary, the box face in the next match. Um, and so, but in some cases I can actually eat that actual adversary. So this time it was the frogs. I had a plate of grenouille, which is uh, the frogs, actually like eating frog legs. And I had that at Cafe de la Paix, a reputable establishment in the opera section near the Bastille. So I was all checked out. But the problem was that the actual frog legs reminded me way too much of Tomas Ramos's legs. And, uh, and by the time I got to the stadium and the 120 decibels were kicking in and I had my 17th beer and I've been doing a mosh pit and been lifted in a line out and I was doing impromptu headbutts with some crazy guy from, from Paris. Literally, I started having kind of a weird tummy. And uh, I think, you know, the first two minutes when Cyril Bai scored and Tomas Ramos was kicking... I didn't feel very good, I have to say. So I washed that down with a hot dog, as you know. With stadium hot dog, and that fixed everything. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. It was fantastic. It was fantastic. Well, mate, we can't wait to get to this week's guest. We were thrilled when he said yes more than a week ago, and we were especially thrilled uh, and especially impressed even when it was still a yes despite events of the weekend. The Raw Rugby Podcast. We are connected to the pod's London airport studios, where it is our absolute pleasure to welcome onto the Raw Rugby podcast, former Sale and Saracens lock. He went to two Rugby World Cups with the Flying Fijians himself. But in 2023, he's led what perhaps has been the feel-good story of the tournament. Could you please be upstanding, Harry Jones, and be warm with your applause for Simon Rubber-Louis. Bula, Simon, welcome. Bula, Bula Simon. Glad, glad to be here. So I'm a bit worried about your your frog legs and hot dogs. It's not a great mix, mate. <laughs> oh, the hot dogs, the hot dog went down live on a podcast uh, Sunday morning. Um, well, Sunday, Sunday night, I should say, um, Simon. And 
I wasn't sure whether he'd make the end of the, of the podcast, I must say, but here he is. So he survived. It's good news. Iron stomach, <laughs> iron stomach. And Simon, I know you. I know that you're a food guy too, and you and you, you even posted a picture today saying you cannot wait to get back to the food you love. I probably I'm thinking. <laughs> no, no, you can obviously tell by my shape. I'm not shy of uh, having a good meal. So it's been good over really the past, but it's. Uh, I gotta. I think I gotta take it back when I get back to Australia. <laughs> no, no doubt. Um, you've had. A magnificent tournament, Simon. Congratulations so much on what you've achieved with the with the Flying Fijians. Um, we were uh, excited for them from the outset. Uh, we've said all along that your alternate strip was the absolute winner as far as Rugby World Cup strips go. The the, the red palm fronds on the on the black that you wore on the weekend, but the way you played throughout, um, the way you took everyone along in the journey. It was it was just impossible not to love watching you guys play. Yeah, it's, it was a great uh, campaign. Uh, we obviously started quite a way back, fifteen weeks ago, and uh, yeah, we mm. we wanted to really engage uh, engage our people, engage uh, the community, and show our journey. And I think well, that's one of the best things about the the Fijian boys. They're very open, uh, very loving to whoever, whoever wants to come in and see us. And yeah, we've we've got open door. Policy, we close it at times, but the the boys the boys have been brilliant and staff have been brilliant. It was a it was a it was a really uh, enjoyable campaign. Yeah, yeah. The 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 thing that stood out to me is that, um, and we spoke about it numerous times, is that you had half your squad was 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 had come straight from the drawer in in Super Rugby, and and you know this is topical that I'm wearing the the old original NRC nice. <laughs> strip strip here, but you had um, you had Brad Harris. Next to you uh, in the in the coach's box, you had Glenn Jackson there in the in the coach's box. So you've had a a, a full twelve months, I suppose, of consistent messaging with your squad. That's that's got to have played a, a big role this year. Yeah, and I think those uh, those eighteen boys that came from the draw, then playing together for the last uh, two seasons, has been huge for their uh, for their development, not, but also the development mm-hmm. of the flying Fijians. So they've come in. Uh, we've got those. It's not just those guys as well. We've got the background staff that are there. And it's been a it's been a huge advantage having the draw in the super super Pacific, and it'll, it's it's in its uh, infancy at the moment. It's only the second year. I think 2027, 2031 is where you're going to see the real results. Mm, yeah, which is scary, Harry, to think what they could achieve in, in another four years' time. Yeah, Simon, I'm interested in how you kind of rebranded things. Uh, for years, people had the old tired descriptions of Fiji being. Uh, all about offloads and all about the razzle-dazzle. But in fact, your set piece, uh, your scrum in particular, was the, either number one or number two uh, scrum in the whole competition so far, uh, 97%, 98% success rate. Uh, only, I think, less than 2% resulted in penalties against you, which p- compares favorably to places like uh, South Africa, you know, the, the scrum guards. Um, and so I think there's some stereotypes going on there. What did you do to make that scrum such a hard nut um, was it about personnel? Was it about attitude? Was it about technique? How did you make this, the set piece a strength? So we obviously we had Brad come in and do the lineouts, and uh, Graham Jews come in to do the scrum. Uh, we when we first started, we actually sat down together and just had a uh, bit of a think tank about uh, where teams are going to target us. And traditionally, it's at the set piece, uh, discipline wise, and our fitness uh, dropping off in the second half. So they were probably our three key. Uh, work-ons as a team so we targeted those those areas and worked very hard on the set piece and all credit to the coaches all credit to the players they they really came along and 
the the set piece has been improving, um, not just this year, but mm. it's been improving over the last over the last cycle. So, and there's that that continuity of playing in the draw with the draw, the, uh, those players playing together, um, the quality that we get coming back from Europe and other places uh, has really helped. So. Yeah, we we had a real mindset of uh, okay, let's take away where people are going to try and attack us, and then um, use our use our, use our flair when we need to. How do you how do you figure the the short time frame that you had? Because some coaches would make a big deal of that and say, "I only have a year, I only have this amount of time." You seem to sort of accept that. Uh, you still had time to respond to everyone's tweets. Um, as, you know, you were you were having a good time in the community. Uh, I mean, I literally know someone, Maz McMillan, yeah. who came to the game because you gave her tickets. Um, you seem to be able to marshal, uh, manage your time. Yeah. Are you going to have? Is, is that your next gig? Are you going to start up a, a Simon Rawalui time management uh, lecture series? <laughs> why? Why can you go to bed at a normal time and, yeah. and guys like Eddie have to stay up till four a.m. And, and where can I sign up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. The things we just talked about, but also the things that are important to us as uh, Fijians, uh, the cultural side, our values. Um, so we got that there. And I think one of the big things that I wanted to do, not just with our people, the Fijians, but I want to, I think rugby is a, is a really special sport and we need to engage with our, with, our, with our juniors. We need to engage with our fans. We need to engage with our clubs. So when, when you have the chance, if you can do it in a respectful way, if you can do it in a, a way where you're promoting the game, promoting your your players, promoting your team, uh, promoting the game in general. Like, oh, I want to do that. It's uh, rugby's given me so much in terms of my my life. Just uh, the opportunities to the friends I've met, uh, the clubs I've played at, the places I've been around the world. It's uh, it's important that we push that narrative with rugby because it's it's a great sport. Yeah, it is. No, no doubt. You've. We normally start each week, Simon, by asking what stood out for us on the weekend, but we're all going to say that there was four outstanding quarterfinals, so there's kind of no real point in saying that. So let's just get maybe straight for the coaching bombshell you dropped on on Monday, um, and that was your, your your tweet in which you said, I guess it's time to make it official, specifically what the next cycle looks like for Fiji and rugby I would not be seeking an extension of employment with the Fijian Rugby Union past the 31st of December. Thanks again to the players, staff and all supporters. It's been quite a ride. I mean, it's a hell of an understatement for what you've just achieved in the last 12 months or so. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, so I've obviously been involved with Fiji since 2020. So it's been yeah, a, it's yeah. been four years and it's, it's obviously been a bit of a tumultuous uh, four years with COVID in the middle there. Um Getting rugby, me doing the high performance, and then obviously having the the opportunity to coach the flying Fijians. So it was one thing during that cycle is that I um, I missed my I got locked out of uh, I got locked into Fiji and my family got locked out of Australia. So I missed them for over a year. When they came mm. over, we got locked into Fiji, and then I uh, then they my youngest my daughter uh, really struggled with school, so we sent her back. So out of the four years, I've only seen them probably about nine months. And then uh, this year oh, I've seen wow. three days since January. So uh, it was a real, um, it was a no brainer for me in terms of yeah. getting back to my family and um, making sure that I, I'm there. Uh, had a couple of uh, <laughs> tears at times when I missed my daughter's birthday and yeah. she uh, she's 17 and needs a dad. So it's, uh, of course. Um, 
Yeah, it was a real commitment. I, I, I needed to get back to my family and that's, uh, that's why I do it. There's other reasons as well in terms of work, but that's the main reason. Yeah, yeah, and that's entirely valid reason, Harry. We've both got daughters and know exactly what, what all that means. It, it had been – it's a decision, I'm guessing, Simon, that had been coming for a little while. Yeah, so I – I made up my mind probably earlier in the year, um, mm. around the time that uh, they got offered the, the, the coaching role. Um, so from there, obviously I was umming and ahhing a bit, but I kind of made up my mind I need to go back and um, and see my family. A couple of, like I said, a couple of work things as well in terms of frustrations, but that was the main driving factor. So um, I knew I had this uh, opportunity to go coach the Flying Fijians after Vern had left. And I wanted to make it as unique as possible for our boys uh, in terms of what they were coming back to, what they were going to experience, them reconnecting with their people, their villages, uh, mm. their families and our, and our fans, and then just trying to grow a group that uh, would do the, do our country proud. And I, they've done that in spades. They've been unbelievable. Uh, yeah. It's been probably one of the most... Uh, enjoyable experiences I've had in my career as a player and as a, as a staff member. Yeah, yeah, they've been absolutely fantastic. What, what have you, I mean, the, the results that you achieved, the, the, the quarterfinal, you know, making the quarterfinal will be a headline act. But what are, you, what are you actually most proud of your team achieving in this tournament? Um, just get, obviously getting to the quarterfinals, that was a huge target. We, we, we went from, from the beginning, we targeted going as far as possible, getting the final winning and, uh, uh, obviously, it didn't it didn't come to fruition. We got knocked out in the semi-final, but with every game we've played, we've been competitive, and uh, mm. the, we've played some really good opposition in our campaign, and played some really good, uh, really good uh, results. Uh, played some played a fantastic game against some fantastic games against Georgia and Portugal, who showed where real rugby is at the moment with the quality yeah. of. Uh, the so-called second-tier nations that uh, came through, and uh, yeah, it's been. I'll be, the most proud I've been is the way they've conducted themselves. Uh, obviously on the field, but off the field as well. We've been we represented our country, and uh, they've been a credit to themselves, their families, and the mm. country. So yeah, that's probably the most uh, the most proud I've been. I, I think we could we could see it, Harry, couldn't we? When in those moments immediately post match, you were going from player to player on the field, and there was a. Uh, there was a, a wonderful moment when you went to went to your captain, um, and and you two just came together. Uh, it was literally forehead to forehead, and there was a real, it was a real loving embrace and, and pride in, in what you two had had done. Can you take us in that in that moment? Yeah, uh, it makes me kind of tear up a little bit thinking about it now. So it's uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's uh, it, was, it was a tough it was a tough moment. it was a Obviously, we wanted to win the game, and we thought we could win the game. So, in that moment, you're, you're suffering in there, but in that moment, you're also celebrating the relationships and the people that you work with. And uh, I've known Weiss since uh, 2010 when he first came over. I think it was 2010 when he came to Stade Francais. I, I had the chance to coach him, uh, with Stade, uh, and coach. And he he's just he's just grown as a as a as a player and a man, um, a fantastic leader. Leads from the front on and off the field. And yeah, it was 
Yeah, it was pretty emotional um, getting there. But like all Fijians, uh, within 20 minutes, that was washed and the music was on and then they were off. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. You know, it's, it's poignant, uh, Simon, because of all the coaches um, that were alive into the quarterfinals, you could tell that there were happy teams in that group, by the way. But it seemed like yours was the most family, uh, the most replica of a family. And yet it's family that's calling you home. So it's a very it's interesting story almost that, uh, you know, the minute that was over, you, you, you just wanted to go back to the people you were playing for. Um, but along the way, it seems like, I mean, is it true? Is it true that your team is like a family? Because it seems very much from the outside that it looks like a family. Yeah, they were, they were very tight. Um... And they, we, we grew that from, we intentionally grew that from the beginning. We, we went up to Taviuni, a uh, small, small island up in the north. We, we got rid of all the bells and whistles. We slept on the floor and uh, portable oh, mattresses, ate, ate, ate communally, communally. We went to visit the villages, uh, Semi, uh, Yusuf Masi, uh, Celestino, all from that island. So we went and had uh, visits to their island to reconnect, say thank you to the people that have brought them there. And it was from there, players coming from Europe, players coming from uh, the draw, Australia, there was a connection. And at the end of the week, we, we, we saw the groups disappear and they became one group. And that, that just grew throughout the, the tournament. And then, um, yeah, Fijians are very communal uh, people. So yeah. they enjoy their company, they enjoy each other's company. They enjoy sharing a moment, singing, singing. Uh, a big part for us was our, was our religion. We brought a Talatala along with us who, who gave us our, probably our spiritual and mental well-being, uh, someone for the players to be able to connect to in that way. Um, and so that was – we really targeted that. And then the boys, once they had a hold of it, they grew and uh, they led it from the front. And the leadership group, so they were fantastic as well, and they're growing that. And it seemed like, in general, your ability to straddle – uh, cultures. I mean, you played in Wales. You play. You've been a general manager for Racing Metro '92, uh, Sales, Saris, um, and then also just the way you played. I mean, yes, it was Fijian, and you off you finished your offloads second only to Ireland in efficacy. But also, you you had this tough nuts uh, set piece. Your tackling, your dominant tackling was high, um, but also kicking. I mean, I think it was between 17 and 24 kicks every match. Uh, it was not just tuck it under, run, and offload. There was a design. It felt like if there was that little deviation, that was something of a plan. Um, do you think <laughs> Do you think you could take that on the road to, say, the Wallabies? And how much has, uh, <laughs> how much has Hamish offered you to become the Wallaby coach? You can tell us here. It's secret. It's uh, not a, it's, it won't be shared. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we really... Um, identified with what it takes to play on that um, on that highest level. Uh, we there was obviously carry clean our defence and those collisions. So we we really targeted those areas, and um, we knew the bigger teams. They wanted they they played like that. They they if we didn't control those areas or get parity, we knew we were going to struggle. So that was a huge focus for us as well. So that was a very conspicuous. Uh, a non-response to that. So we'll, I'm going to take we'll, that as a no. We'll come, we'll come back to that. We will come back to that. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, as you broke down those games and you approached each opponent, it was interesting to me that, that you did actually make changes. And I, I guess at nine was one of those questions. Yeah. Uh, how did you choose which nine to go with? Was it a hot hand, hot kicker? 
you know, how did you pick Caravalli or Lomani and, and was it down to form and practice or something you saw in the game? So I think we had we had three really good halfbacks. So I also had Penny Matawala as well as uh, as, as uh, Frank and Simi. Frank Frank obviously gives us a lot of experience um, playing. He's played Super Rugby. He's been over in Europe. Fantastic player. Good good basics. Uh, really drives the team. And Simi's a uh, young up and coming. Can play nine ten. He's got a huge future in in front of him. So. We, we would we would mix and match depending on who we're playing um, the styles that we needed but they it was very close in the end in terms of how the, the their selection because they both fantastic players a little bit different in terms of what they bring Frank's an amazing athlete uh, very physical big big uh, body person great in defense Simi's very nippy uh, can play uh, across across nine and ten um, and brings brings a lot of speed to the game so we, we would use them accordingly. I'm curious. I'm really interested uh, to hear you say that Sammy can play ten because he it, it really feels like he came from the clouds. He was very much the the, the third choice scrum half for for the Drua through the year. We we saw a little bit of him, and then he played that. We played that that game against. He started the game against Australia, didn't he? And suddenly he's there's this pinpoint accurate goal kicker just who nailed it. He hit the ball so well and kicked the ball dead straight. There's no curve in his, in his kick. And and now you say he can play 10 as well. I mean, that's that's actually really exciting. Yeah, he's a, he's a fantastic talent. So last year, you probably you didn't see him because he had a shoulder a shoulder re- reconstruction. So he was there. He would have he played a lot more super last year. He's been with us in our, our system for five, six years. Um, come through, came through the under twenties, the Warriors. Um, has always been a prodigious talent. Uh, so he he just picks things up. So we we told him to work on his kicking, um, and then within a within a month or two, he was uh, pretty pretty good at it. And he, it's going to be a it's going to be a bow to his uh, repertoire. That's going to take him a long way as well because uh, he's uh, he's obviously a fantastic nine. But as a ten, he's a he's a little bit like a Richie Mwanga, really nippy, quick, uh, can take a gap. So yeah. and he's a he's a confident kid as well. He'll <coughs> he'll tell you that he's he's the best. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you've told him to work on his kicking, and he, he come, comes back a month later and says, "Coach, I've nailed this. Is ninety percent good?" Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's pretty, pretty pretty talented kid. I saw it, uh, Simon. Uh, it's a little bit like tennis, which is one of the sports I play a lot. Uh, where you're going for a big serve, you're going to have a few double faults, and it seemed like the dominant tackle stats were really good for Fiji. Uh, I think I'm, uh, I, it was just just behind South Africa on percentage of tackles that were dominant. Uh, but there was also a lot of missed tackles. Does that kind of go together for your in your scheme? Did you feel like you want them to go hunt and, and destroy, uh, but then you can live with some of the misses? Or were you trying to make them, uh, your players, um, just complete the tackles sometimes? No, as, as a coach, I prefer they make the tackles. Uh, they, they like those <laughs> missed tackles. But Dale Gibson's done a great job in terms of Bringing in a system this year with our with our defence, um, we've also got some really naturally talented uh, players that have got some world class skills like Lavani Potier and Viliami Mata. Uh, Weiss Vaitalevo in the, at thirteen is a world class defender at thirteen. So yeah, they work really hard on that defensive system, but you can't take out that uh, that natural Pacific Islander aggression of wanting to knock knock people over and put those big hits in. So it's just reducing the the uh, the high tackles, the the ones that get us into trouble, and I think our discipline was uh, 
really good. I think it's one of the areas that we improved the most in um, this campaign. And it seemed like also you were having good communications, better communications with the ref. I know that became an issue near the end. Um, and I think that's a, that's a subject that's fraught because uh, it doesn't <clears throat> seem like every team gets the same shake. Um, uh, what, what do you, how do you handle that? How do you get your players mm -hmm. to, to have that chat with the referee doing a game, which you see players do. Like some of the top teams have long conversations with a referee and it seems to be fine. Yeah, and I think uh, one thing our players get is a little bit frustrated because sometimes they see some inconsistencies. Um, what you what you want as a coach is uh, just the same across the board. Uh, if if there's a mistake made, make the mistake same. Just make sure that we're, we're getting consistency in the refereeing. So that's where the boys get frustrated when they they believe that they're getting coached uh, refereed a different way. Say the ruck, uh, then the opposition maybe gets a turnover, um, with which they're thinking is. Illegal, but it's obviously you've got to keep a got to be very respectful. Like I've always, I, I want to be respectful of the game and um, show respect to the referees. I think they do they do a great job. They're not going out to to deliberately do anything. So it's it's important that uh, we sh we show them the support and uh, make sure that we've got an open dialogue in terms of staff, coaches uh, towards them, because then we can work together and find find those solutions. You know, it seemed like uh, Levani Botia was having good conversations. I mean, the open sider needs to talk to the ref sometimes. And I noticed that maybe, you know, playing in the French leagues could have helped. Uh, just, just, a, just a familiarity with uh, those conversations. Yeah, so Levani's obviously played at the highest level, one at European Cups, uh, is a, mm. has a huge experience, speaks French as well. So that gives him why he speaks French. Quite a few of the boys speak French. So there's, over, there's a, been able to um speak with the referees uh on that level as well but yeah Levani is a for all his skills he's got a wonderful understanding of the game as well what position he needs to be in where where to hunt from how to get to those angles and so sometimes he doesn't get it when, when he thinks he's got it and so he, he he'll uh he'll, he'll talk to the referee and just ask why and uh in, a, in the most respectful way yeah yeah has there been a player Simon through this tournament who you thought might have a, a strong campaign, but but by full time there on Sunday, you've just gone, wow, I can't believe how well he's played this last month or six weeks. Um, there's been a lot of the boys that have really stood up yeah. and gone to the next level. I think one that really stood up for me, being a being an old lock, uh, is uh, Tiwaru Thiri Kitaveta. Yeah. Um, he, 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 he came in. Doesn't get all doesn't get all the, uh, the 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 roses for what he does, but just is such a hard working, humble uh, mm. kid who's turned into a world who's turned into a world class lock. He'll be he'll be the first to admit when he came into camp in Tavuini, um, struggled with his fitness, uh, was was quite heavy, uh, and he he's turned himself into a a genuine uh, international lock and. He, he, He's. I'd be very proud of him. He's his locking partner as well. So in a silla silla, he's gone up. Yeah. Uh, he's gone up. There's been so many boys that have really stood up uh, throughout the forwards and then throughout the back. So we had our expectations going. We I know how I know how talented they are and how, what the good rugby players are. But they just giving them the opportunity to really shine on that uh, on that world stage has been really gratifying. I couldn't help but think watching you guys in the tournament, Simon how much you were actually improving in the tournament 
and how much of a shame it is that you don't get those opportunities more. I mean, if you, yeah. if you, there's only three teams you guys haven't beaten, you know, New Zealand, South Africa, and, and Ireland, and that's just because you haven't played them enough. When you look at the teams you have played, you've always notched a victory. Like, you, I think you're 50% against Italy. You're five and one against Georgia, but that, but those teams get a little bit um, more game time. And I think, you know, even Japan, you're, you, you've got a good record. So what is the, what is the way that Fiji mm -hmm. can stay in this picture in the middle of the cycle so that you can kind of actually take your seat at the top table where I think you belong? Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's the argument that a lot of countries have about fixtures, about how many fixtures they have, the quality of fixtures that they have. Yeah. It's, it's not rocket science. If you, if you, get, if you get consistency of fixtures at, a, at the highest level, you're going to improve. You're going to, you're going to, your base is going to improve. Your fitness is going to improve. You're going to improve across the board. Your coaching, uh, everything's going to improve. So all, um, I'm not exactly sure what the solution is, um, but we, we, we talk about the, the, the matches, but it's also the preparation. How do we get more preparation together? Because normally when we go into a July, November window, you've got a week to, to yeah. basically play uh, your first test. And a lot of other, the other teams are coming in a bit earlier. They're prepped, they're playing together. So that's a difficult one as well. But I think World Rugby, World Rugby is really working towards how do we get those solutions? How do we get... Uh, more fixtures uh, for the so-called uh, developing nations against uh, the uh, developed nations. And if we get more, they will improve. And that goes across the board for the other teams as well. The, the rugby championship is, feels like an, an obvious fit here. So is it a case of does the, does the Fijian Rugby Union now uh, make hay while the sun shines, so to speak, and start lobbying? Um, is it something World Rugby can do for you or is it Unfortunately, is it a, a matter of also waiting for the Sanzo Nations to say, no, now is the time. Come on, come on in. Yeah, so obviously the Sanzo, Sanzo has their agreement in place. For, I'm not sure when it finishes, uh, but that's, that's in place there. So what we've said as well is in terms of my high-performance role is putting yourself in the shop window. If you have consistency of results, your rankings are in the right place. If you get your, if, if you get your infrastructure right back in uh, back in Fiji, academies, pathways, uh, the Druids played a huge part in that. When the opportunity does come, whether it's a global calendar, TRC, um, or Six Nations, whether that be Georgia or those teams, just be ready for it and then make sure that you've got everything yeah. right and everything, all your ducks are in a row. Uh, uh, that's what we've targeted this year, and I think – that consistency showed we've come up in the rankings. Um, our, our results have been better, and everyone knows the uh, our pathways are very good. We, we're producing talent uh, through 16 through to through to 23, and then they're the best of the best go on to the draw, and, uh, and a lot of them go off into Europe as well. So we've got a good pipeline of talent. Um, the next thing stage for us is probably develop, development of our staff, uh, medical. Uh, SNC, managerial coaches, just growing that same depth for them as well. It's it's really exciting where the Drua go in 2024. I could just feel like that with the confidence a lot of those guys will take off the back of this this tournament, they could be um, you know absolute giant killers. And it was fantastic that they played finals, um, that they made the top eight this year. But who knows what they could do in, in 2024? We. We have seen the the best weekend of rugby at a rugby world cup now for absolutely brilliant quarterfinals. Um, how do you see the semi finals playing out this weekend coming? 
Yeah, they're going to be tougher. So I think uh, you got four really, really good teams of different styles. I think um, with Argentina and New Zealand coming into form at the right time, um, mm. they uh, playing some really good rugby. Argentina's been building, building, building under check, and they, you know when they when they play and they get a bit of momentum, they're a very, very dangerous team. Uh, I think they're going to go really well this weekend. I think England and South Africa, they're they're tournament teams. They're they're, they're very good within yeah. campaigns. Uh, they play a style of rugby where it builds pressure on the teams, good set piece. Um, yeah, uh, England cop a lot of flack, but they're playing well and they're playing good uh, World Cup rugby in South Africa. They play probably two of the hardest games in the tournament, and uh, so they're battle uh, they're battle hardened. So it's gonna it's gonna be a great uh, great great semifinals, and I think uh, yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, no so you, you obviously know Cheka, but uh, how well do you know Rossi Erasmus, and do you enjoy some of his innovations and uh, <laughs> tomfoolery? <laughs> uh, so, I, I was, so I've obviously met him through uh, when I was coaching with the Wallabies and stuff like that. And he's yeah. a he's a good man, and uh, like the thing I think I love about South Africa is they're always trying to re- re- reinvent the wheel. Uh, they're trying different mm-hmm. things. Whether that be that be their substitutions, I'm all for seven forwards on the bench. If I can get eight on the bench, it'll be even better. He's 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 always thinking outside the box, and it's not necessarily always on the field. You can see he's a bit of mind games as well. You you, you watch his Twitter; he's only he's only following the team he's playing that week, and is a. Yeah. He's, he's always uh, poking the bear a little bit. I think I think he's very good at it. It's, it's good for the game as well. Yeah. Have you ever have you ever coached one of your players to call a mark and then choose the scrum? I like the thinking. He was totally honest. Huh? He said, we need... Uh, France hadn't played uh, play many scrums and we wanted a scrum. So, yeah, perfect. <laughs> yeah. Can't argue the logic, certainly. We, we were always going to ask you this question, Simon, even before we... Uh, before we knew about your next move and we were going to very deliberately leave it until last out of respect for you being the current Fijian head coach. But now that you've dropped the bombshell, the aforementioned bombshell that you have now uh, dropped, you are going to be inevitably linked. So the question is and and was always going to be, is is coaching the Wallabies something that might interest you and, and, and is it is it on the radar to, to link up with um, a team that you've had a lot to do with? Uh, not at not at the moment. Um, so I've, I've I've got a real affinity for Australian rugby. It's my, it's my pathway that I grew up in. I started at uh, at Manly Juniors, Manly Colts, and into into the Marlins. So it's uh, I got a real love for uh, the game in Australia and getting it back as healthy as possible. But at the moment, uh, no, I'm I'm obviously going to move back to a, to Australia to be with my with my family. But uh, my new role, which I can't say yet, I'll be uh, hopefully working out of Australia, uh, but not for for an Australian team or Rugby Australia. Oh, are, are you are you going to be Shawnee Maloney's co-commentator in a new uh, rugby channel? Is that it? Ah, oh, bring that on! <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, no, no. I don't. I, I, I think I've got a. I've got. I've got a head for radio, so I'll stay. Stay away. From that. <laughs> if, if we get if we guess the right role, will you just kind of nod slowly? Very good. What are you what are you most looking forward to, Simon, when you do get back with the family? 
Oh, just spending time driving my daughter to school, um, yeah. going down to the creek, go fishing, uh, drink some beer, have a barbecue, uh, <laughs> send some more, uh, send some, send some more food posts out there. Uh, so me, me and Harry can uh, reconnect more. Um, so yeah, just do, just just do family things. I go down. My boys live yeah. down in Sydney, so want to get down there, see those, see them as well, and I just yeah, I want to. Have some, have some family time. My, my wife, yeah. my wife has said, "Oh yeah, uh, holidays and stuff like that." But for me, going home is a holiday. I just want to go and yeah. sit on the couch and, and <laughs> just enjoy myself and be, be, be back with the family. So that's that's what I'm most like. It's pretty it's pretty boring, but uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. No, it's good. Well, it's good. If- while while you were in the in the tournament, were you eating the same food as the players and kind of doing a Spartan existence? You know, like <laughs> and- training, and no beer. Um, even the players, Fijians don't eat a Spartan dinner. They have a, they, they enjoy their food. So <laughs> the, 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 the food, the food was good. And, and, you know, you know, France, it's a, it's a wonderful place to, to be able to go out socially. Uh, so we, we stayed yeah. in Bordeaux and we managed to get out to some, to some wonderful restaurants oh. with the, with the group and with the staff. And, and it's just a, it's a, France is such a good place for social interaction yeah. Going there. I love how they, in the middle of the day, go for a drink of beer and then go back to work. It's uh, It should be mandatory everywhere. <laughs> no, and Bordeaux is a great town. I really enjoyed that that match when I was there. Uh, and you'll enjoy Ox Incher for the Springboks, oh. who said that, uh, that, that a salad never won a scrum. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I uh, love it. Yeah, and he, he's, 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 he's one of my favorite... Uh, one of my favorite followers, I think he said uh, about his diet, his, he has to have cake during the week to make sure he's playing well. So, <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. So if, you, if you've been away from your family for four, week, for four years, effectively, um, and you're very much looking forward to going home, how long is your list of jobs going to be? Um, you mean at the house? No, yeah. I, thought, yeah, I, think, I, I think my wife's happy. I hope she's happy to have me home, so... So I think she, I've got a bit of a grace spirit in terms of uh, having too much chores, but it'll be, it'll be the things that people probably think are mundane uh, that I'm going to enjoy the most. It's going to be, it's just, just looking forward to going and go walk the dog and go for breakfast yeah. on a on a, on a morning off with my with my wife. It's a, yeah, I'm sure she's got a list for me to to, to sort out <laughs> when I get back. But yeah, just I think I, hopefully she's going to enjoy me being back as much as me being back. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, sounds, yeah. it sounds like uh, she's going to be the head coach at home, and and, and you're the player. <laughs> <laughs> one, 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 hundred percent. I'm not ashamed to say that she's the boss. So, uh, she's 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 about half my size, but she she runs she rules the house. So I'm not ashamed yeah. to say that. Good, yeah, on good on you, mate. Good on you, mate. Look, Simon, it's been an absolute joy to 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 to, to talk to you. We um we as I say we. We're thrilled when you said when you said yes last last week, uh, a few weeks ago when we first got in touch. So, again, congratulations. Um, enjoy the home time. Enjoy whatever's next on the radar for you. Um, and thanks so much for giving us a bit of time on your way home. We really, really appreciate it. I appreciate it. And uh, thanks for having me on. And Harry, uh, we got to meet up for a dinner date, mate. I think we're I think we're kindred spirits. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. And, and, and safe safe travels, Simon. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Safe travels. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you very much. Good Cheers. luck. Rugby on the roar.
that was just fantastic, Harry. Uh, I knew I was really excited when you said someone Raul Louis has said he'll talk to us. I mean, that was uh, <laughs> such a coup for us. Um, the timing was always going to be interesting. It was always going to be a moment of celebration or it was going to be a bit of a moment of heartbreak. But I think even in the moment of heartbreak, there's still just so much to love about what Fiji's done. And, and, and you can hear that talking to Simon there. Yeah, one thing we've learned, I think, I've learned at least from this part is sort of matching the public persona with uh, how they yeah. really are because we get, we get to know them because they're talking to us off air and, and yeah. uh, you're, you're texting and so forth. I mean, Simon is just exactly what you see is what you get, but in a really profound way. He's, um, he's vulnerable. He, he says things that other coaches and players don't mm. risk saying. Um, he's honest and fair. So that's why... I was glad we didn't push too hard on the job, but I'm kind of dying to know what you think it's going to be. <laughs> I yeah, was actually thinking, yeah. I thought I was thinking of a TV guy. He'd be really great in the studio. <laughs> he would be good. You know? He'd be interesting. Yeah, wouldn't He'd be he? Like, like, you It'd know, be... Cheka, you thought, when you thought, the first time you heard Michael Cheka is going to be on TV, you're like, oh, it's not going to work. He's going he's gonna to throw, uh, you know, throw uh, the, the table at someone. And then he yeah. ends up being one of the best TV commentators I've ever seen. Yeah, um, yeah, I could see Simon doing that. Yeah, yeah, it'll be it'll be fascinating to see where he does pop up next. Um, you know, he will inevitably be linked to the the Wallabies job, but he's <laughs> very clearly got something ready to go, and I'll be uh, fascinated to see where he does pop up next. Um, conversely, um, and we 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 very deliberately left this to discuss after we let Simon go uh, again out of just respect for what he's for what he's done Eddie Jones landed back in Sydney uh, earlier this week uh, spoke to the media in Sydney and the time has worked for us on several fronts this week including that presser uh, on on uh, Tuesday morning back in Sydney what what did you make of that presser mate well I think I think a lot of people are making the mistake of being too binary about it and too concrete when I think what you have is a triangle here with maybe, maybe it's a rhombus. It's, it's a, some kind of shape where you have uh, Japan, Japan's fortunes rise when things yeah. draw out because for them, it's almost like delay makes their negotiation hand with Eddie better. Uh, he obviously did meet with them and they have the ability to prove that in any second, but they may have also told him it's okay for him to do a fib for now and then you have rugby australia who i don't think actually, it needed to be told, told that well i mean rugby <laughs> australia has, yeah but like there's something if you're like a born fibber it's kind of nice if someone says and you're allowed to fib you're like wow this is like christmas <laughs> so, yes <laughs> but i mean so rugby australia also has to play its hand it would yeah. obviously not 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 want to sack someone i don't know, i haven't seen the contract but if they if if for cause is defined in a certain way it's better for them if eddie goes so you have these three parties with varying interests and they don't cleanly overlap. And there's a question of time because when you're negotiating with someone at Eddie's age, you're thinking about your final, you know, ride out to the sunset. And you, so you might, the benefits might be uh, an issue or pension or something. So I don't know. I'm just thinking that what we're looking at is not what we, on the surface, what it looks like. It's, it's a negotiation. No, no, exactly, exactly right. Um, I've got a clip here that I wanted to to play to you. This is just one continuous bank of very, very deliberate questions. Let's just take a listen here. Eddie, you've denied that you've spoken to the Japanese Rugby Union. Have you spoken to any third parties about this position? Third parties, what does that mean, mate? Recruitment agencies, for example, executive search parties. Have you spoken to anybody like that? Not that I'm aware of. 
Eddie, there are a number of separate news organisations who have cited separate sources in a couple of occasions, a number of different sources to say that you were either speaking to the Japanese Rugby Union or representatives of the Japanese Rugby Union. Can you explain whether those those reports were all inaccurate? Have you been talking to anybody? Haven't been speaking to anyone, mate. So I no said that before. No corporations or anybody like That's that? That's correct. Okay. Why do you think that those theories have come out of the blue then? I've got no idea, mate. Have you spoken to the Japanese president? He's, a, he's an old friend of yours. Uh, not for a long there, time. There were reports you guys had had private discussions about this stuff. Oh, really? Yep. Good no idea, mate. I guess it would be easy for you to say, be I'm here from now up until the World Cup. No doubt about it. Oh, well, that's the intention, mate. But uh, as you know, we play in, a, play in a game where the coach doesn't decide how long they stay. Have you got support from Rugby Australia? Uh, I believe so, but you know we've got to do a review, and obviously the results were disappointing. Everyone's gutted by it, uh, uh, especially myself. Um, but I stand by the decisions we've made, and I think we've left Australian rugby in a better position. Eddie, do you have any break clauses in your contract that, for whatever reason, could see you leave early? Well, that's not really for you to discuss, mate. Is it? That's a private discussion between. Rugby Australia and myself, which I'd be breaking confidentiality if I said that. How many of those denials were convincing to you, mate? Because it wasn't <laughs> many to me. No, it's just, it's just, uh, yeah, it's like one of those ballroom dances from the old days where it's all very highly formal. There's, there's, li- there's literally something very Japanese about this process, actually, to me. And it's almost like there's the thing on the surface and then underneath what's really happening. Yeah, what's actually happening. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, The thing I took out of it was that he said nothing new that he's not said already, in which mm-hmm. case you sort of feel like, what was the point of this? Was this a press conference for the sake of the press conference? And look, here's a little thing that I noticed. Mark McCartney, who's RA's head of communications was was there at the presser but it's understood that eddie jones himself wanted to call this presser and not rugby australia and it was at coogee oval in sydney's eastern suburbs not at ra's more park offices which are only a few kilometers away there's no media banner so there's no ra sponsors in sight he's dressed in civvies not in wally's team kit and that might be nothing but it looked like something to me. Like, gee, it looked like something to me. And, and I, yeah. I can't help but wonder about all that. I would guess it's latter stages. We're not in the first stage of this triangular negotiation. Yeah. It's probably in phase three or four, and there might be two more phases. Uh, and also people might uh, pretend to walk away or have an ultimatum. There might be mm-hmm. one little term that they haven't worked out yet that's the sticking point, and it's mm-hmm. about how do I get fired the next time. I would imagine probably he was able to negotiate a pretty good contract this time with Rugby Australia because it seemed like they gave in on everything else, mm. the tow law and uh, not having oversight. and Whatever so, Eddie wants yeah. was yeah. Hamish McLennan's uh, comment on day one. So he might be sitting with a pretty good hand. And meanwhile, the greatest matches in rugby ever have been played and it's almost, you know, I'm almost wondering, like, when is Rugby Australia, like you said in one of your articles recently, when do we want to get involved and actually get on the rugby part? You know, times are wasting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 13 yeah. tests before the lines come. And, and you just think uh, you need, whatever it is, it needs to happen within the next month or two yeah. to have some clarity. I mean, probably clarity within weeks, but 
someone working to go uh, yeah, needs to happen. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it still it still sounds to me very much like he's daring Rugby Australia to sack him. He, he and he has he's been consistent on this ever since the ever since the loss to Wales, effectively that put them out of contention. He's tying everything to this post match, this post Rugby World Cup review. Uh, so he's he's saying a lot, of saying very often, you know, that's not up to me, mate. Coaches don't get yeah. to stay, decide how long they're going to stay. Uh, I mean, he was asked a lot of very deliberate questions there, and they were very non-answers. And uh, in the review, I, he'll blame he'll blame it on the psychologists. Uh, the psychologist did everything mm-hmm. wrong. That's what he'll say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I heard I heard Michael Atkinson actually um, laid out a, a worst case scenario last week, and, and I, as he said it, I thought, oh my goodness, imagine this playing out, and that will be that he actually doesn't get the Japan job, yeah. and then we're left with a situation of a guy who has actively applied somewhere else while he's been contracted, and now he's got to see out that contract. And that's just not going to be a great situation for anyone. Yeah, and his soured relationships, but most importantly, the potential relationships that he would need. You know, the coaching uh, teams that are now still in the semifinals, they have really good assistants, and the assistants are – sometimes they're career assistants. Sometimes they don't want to be anything other than assistant, but they're unbelievably – Sean Edwards, defensive coach. Laurie Fisher. Look how much he lifted the French's defense system. Yeah, uh, you know, like Mike Cat for Ireland. Um, you have guys like uh, Felix Jones with the box. Mm. Um, unbelievable talents. Why yeah. would they go to Australia now if you have Eddie and Hamish waiting for you? Not yeah, going to happen. I don't know how he's going to put together a team of assistants next year because, yeah, I, I just don't know how that's going to work. He was asked a really good question in his press conference about the Wallaroos, the Australian women's side. And, and when he was first appointed, the initial wording was that he was going to have complete oversight of Australia's national teams, including the Wallaroos. And that obviously hasn't happened in 2023. He's not spent any significant time with the Wallaroos, but he was asked if he would like to spend more time working with them now and he said yes i would actually like to be more involved with them if i can and the follow-up to that was is that this is that starting this weekend in new zealand where they start the wxv series and his immediate reply was no i think i've got a fair bit going on here it's like (laughs) well you know that's counters like you've literally just contradicted yourself in 10 seconds so I, i don't know can can this possibly end well from here um, for Rugby Australia, sooner is better, but for the other two parties, later is better. So I think they're a little bit caught in a, a triangle that's not going to be of their making. And so, yeah, I, th- I think the most likely thing is they do have to do a review, um, and it's just part of the negotiation exit, and they're gonna, it's going to cost money. <laughs> that's what's going to happen. The Roar. So, mate, uh, quarterfinals are brilliant. Um, semi-finals Ooh. this weekend are going to be really, really intriguing. Argentina playing New Zealand in Paris on Saturday. England playing South Africa in Paris on uh, on Sunday. Uh, actually, it's Friday and Saturday. I've got that wrong. I've, I've, read, um, I've yeah. read local time there. Sorry, I had you a day late going to a game. You would have missed. That wouldn't have worked out well for you, would it? <laughs> yeah. No, it's going to be it's going to be fantastic. No, I think it. No, I think you're right. I think it is Friday. Yeah, I think it's Friday, Friday, Friday yeah. Saturday. Yeah, exactly. Friday, at nine, both at nine. And so yeah. Stade de France, which clearly is one of the loudest venues I've ever been at and compares with a, a rock concert, it's going to be interesting to see how many French continue to keep their ticket and go 
versus um, yes. solos on the open market because uh, you know that stadium was just unbelievably good for the for the quarterfinals. I, I don't know about you, but watching um, watching New Zealand, the All Blacks finally just look like the All Blacks that we've always feared, sometimes mm-hmm. detested, often loved and adored, but they just look like scary non- monsters. Um, some of those tries uh, just brought me out of my seat. I was unbelievably yeah, yeah. impressed by that uh, Lester Fanganuku try. Um, just Even magic. Will, jo- yeah. Will Jordan's try out of nowhere just because Moana that had jo- decided that had jo- there was half a gap. That had Joe Schmidt's fingerprints on it, yeah, and he was yeah. standing the entire game. Uh, he looked like he was um, he was alpha. He was flexing over Ian Foster, and uh, I, I think they saw something in the, the largely pedestrian, somewhat statuesque Johnny Sexton, and it just it was untouched. Right? I don't think yeah. anyone touched him. Both those guys just no, ran through and scored. Yeah, no, no, got got straight through. Yeah, it, it will be fascinating to see how they how they play out, and we'll. Uh, obviously, have a little bit more to say about that across the the weekend. Are you sniffing for finals tickets already? Is that is that what I'm hearing? So I have this thing, a superstition, where I don't want to talk about it too much, but uh, I'll be like Simon and say, mm, <laughs> "Don't want to talk about it." <laughs> oh, very good, very good. So news of the last. <laughs> some uh, some news of the last seven days, mate. Uh, the great George Smith was named last week as one of five mm. players to be added to the World Rugby Hall of Fame on October 29, alongside Dan Carter, Thierry Dussetois, uh, Juan Martin Hernandez, and Brian Habana uh, at the the World Rugby Awards in Paris. Um, Smith's the 19th Australian to join to join the esteemed group, joining the likes of Greg and Eels, Campisi, Larkham as well. So, uh, huge congratulations to to Smith. Um, the second quarterfinal on Saturday night was Bowden Barrett's 100th Test win, cool. uh, making him just the sixth man in Test history to achieve that feat. Uh, and it will be no surprise at all that the other five. Uh, all, all blacks. <laughs> just, and, just Eddie, I think I think Eddie Jones would have dropped all of them though. <laughs> <laughs> too old, uh, mate. Too soon. Too soon, mate. Uh, French head coach Fabian Galtier has confirmed that uh, prop Uini Antonio and Rock and Lock uh, remain Telfafuna have retired from international rugby following their quarterfinals loss to to South Africa on Sunday, and Ireland winger Keith Earls. Uh, confirmed his retirement from rugby with immediate effect. Uh, won't get around for Munster again this year uh, as well. So after a test debut in 2008, and he played his 100th test just back in August. Um, this was his fourth straight Rugby World Cup, and he's been a fantastic servant to Irish rugby. Uh, Angus Gardner, friend of the pod, will referee Argentina and New Zealand on Friday night with Nick Berry and Carl Dixon, the assistant referees. Ben Whitehouse is the TMO there. On Saturday, it'll be Ben O'Keefe in the middle, uh, for England, South Africa, with Andrew Brace and Paul Williams on the flags. Brendan Pickerel is his TMO. Um, it will be a first Rugby World Cup semi-final for both Gardner uh, and O'Keefe. And, in fact, it's it's Gardner's first Rugby World Cup knockout match as a referee. And, you know, friend of the pod, we're just so proud of him, aren't we? They grow up so fast, mate. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And I just I love this whole Southern Hemisphere flavour anyway, taking over. Yeah. The referees, the teams. 
Uh, England stands alone. And England does have some good referees, to be fair. But England stands alone as the uh, the narrative breaker. So we'll see what yeah, happens. Yeah, we will. We will. Uh, and the inaugural Women's International WXV One Series begins in New Zealand this coming Friday with England and Australia playing at the Cake Tin in Wellington. The WXV Two Series began in South Africa last weekend, and WXV Three is also underway in Dubai. Uh, the Raw Rugby Podcast has you covered, though, of course, for the remaining two weekends of the tournament. Harry and I will be back on Saturday night, Sunday morning, Australian time, with an instant reaction for the second semi-final between England and South Africa. We'll see if there's going to be more stadium hot dogs consumed. Uh, Tony Harper and Christy Dora will be also back on deck. They'll have something out post-match after Friday's semi-final between Argentina and New Zealand as well. So uh, we have absolutely got you covered there. Thanks to everyone who has left ratings and reviews and some lovely comments over on YouTube as well, as I mentioned last week. Um, and, and again, if for some strange reason you feel like you need to watch us in action, having great rugby chats to some great guests, you can find us on the Raw's YouTube channel over there as well. But, mate, I think that is us done for episode 84 of the Raw Rugby Podcast, powered by ASICS. Don't forget, Harry and I are both on the socials. Uh, do please leave a rating and review if your pod platform allows it. And do like, follow, subscribe on all the platforms on the YouTube channel as well and just make sure that you see every new episode as soon as it goes live on your pod platform of choice. It's the Raw Rugby Podcast with me, Brett McKay, and Harry Jones every week on the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate the home of all your favourite international rugby analysis, opinions and conversations. It's all thanks to ASICS, the official performance apparel and footwear partner of the Wallabies. Thanks so much for listening. We're back in your ears with a Rugby World Cup semi-final instant reaction, the repeat of the 2019 final when England face off with South Africa in Paris. Simon says, come play with us.